Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone, and repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we get to sing together, uh, that uh, with all the gifts in this room, so many talented vocalists in this room, Lord, that that we don't reserve this for the experts. We were created to worship you, and because we have voices, we must sing. We sing, for we cannot be silent, and your love is the theme of our song. Be exalted in your people today, Lord. Help us to be still and to know that you are God. In Jesus' name. Amen. So good to sing these songs with you today. Uh, Keep them with you. They'll come back to you. Do you have that same experience? These songs that we have sung come back to me again and again through the week, and I am grateful for that. Jill Briscoe said, you can worry or you can worship. Strangely, busy people find it a whole lot easier to worry than to worship. That can be true of me. What an exciting day of worship. Thank you, choirs, all generations singing together. I think I can, I can find the children's choir spread across the room. I, I wore red. I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, you know, it's just such a picture of heaven. It's been a great weekend. It's been um, just nonstop for me, but in a good way. At, after 41 years as a pastor, almost 42 years, you, know, you don't have many firsts anymore, but, but this weekend I had the chance to give the invocation at an investiture uh, for um, one of our young members who has been placed in a position of great responsibility. I had a funeral right after that for a 97-year-old saint named George Ellis. And then a wedding for a beautiful young couple a block party where people came to know Jesus through the witness of this church, through your witness. I saw Claudia and I saw Gabriel and I saw Reuben sharing Jesus with people, saw pictures of this. Uh, a potluck last night, a housewarming for a young couple who um, moved into their first home. And on top of that, Tillman, the Bishop of Galveston, turned 60 this weekend. Don't tell him I told you that. So, so good. I'm glad he joined me. So good. I wonder, do you ever associate scriptures with faces of people, with events in your life? I do. So I can see a scripture and remember something that happened related to that. So, um, for example, I associate our psalm today with a trip that I took with some friends. We went to Buffalo, New York, and we stayed on the Canadian side, which is, I think, the more beautiful side of Niagara Falls. And literally looking out the window of our hotel room, we could see Niagara Falls. And God provided a rainbow over Niagara Falls. And it was just like every time, because I was memorizing Psalm 27 at that time. And I, frankly, I was struggling to get it right, but I was, it was the first of the last 10 years I've been memorizing 50 passages a year. 
And uh, this, this was the one in that first year. So we come to our final this one thing, fearless faith. Remember, Paul started us off with uh, this one thing I do in the book of Philippians. And then uh, one thing one thing is necessary and one thing you lack. And last week, one thing I know in John 9. And today we come to Psalm 27. This one thing I ask, if you could ask God for anything, go big or go home. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask? Let's stand together and hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 27. You know this psalm? Make it your own. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemy's who surround me at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me or turn your servant away in anger, you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior, though my father and mother forsake me. The Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So David lived in a scary world. I mean, he went from one giant to another. First it was Goliath, and then it was Saul, and Saul throwing a spear at him. There were temptations. He ran for his life. He lived in caves. He would go to sleep some nights wondering if he would wake up the next day, if Saul and his armies who were pursuing him found him. And then when he became king, uh, he, he battled uh, struggles that he himself created and ultimately found himself running for his life again from his own son, Absalom, and then losing his son. Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. When he lost his son, and in that frightening 
world. He chose to live with a fearless faith, with a faith that overcame all of his fears. I wonder, you don't have to say out loud, but what is it that frightens you these days? Psychology Today asked a thousand people some years ago what they feared most. Here are their answers. I bet one of them is on your list. The death of a loved one, a serious personal illness, financial worries, nuclear war, being a crime victim, spiders, <laughs> loss of a job, na natural disaster, the dark, loneliness, being unloved. We had our grandkids at our house finally after I had fluorona, uh, COVID and flu at the same time, go figure. Uh, finally, when I got well, my grandkids ended up at my house and, uh, and we put our grandson to bed early, which was because um, he's younger and it was totally not fair that his older sister got to stay up later, but he was crying upstairs in his room and I said to our three-year-old granddaughter, Josie, Joe Catherine, uh, why do you think your brother is crying? She has a vivid imagination. She said, well, it may be because there's a monster coming out of the closet scaring him right now. <laughs> and I assured her that there are no monsters at Mimi and Doc's house. And then, I'm not kidding, she looked across the room at our coat rack there in the entryway to the door, which had, unfortunately, a couple of my large Indiana Jones hats on top of it. And she said, maybe, as she stepped backward, that's a monster. And I said, no. And Mimi came to the rescue. She lifted her in her arms. We had to take the hats off the top of the coat rack to calm her down because we wanted her to feel safe at Mimi and Doc's house. We all have many things that we fear in this life. And I just want to say that uh, God's answer to our fears is to deepen our trust in him. I mean to say, based on Psalm 27, the better we get to know God, the longer we live in his presence, the more our trust in him grows and vanquishes all of our fears. Like David, our profession precedes our prayer. So first is his profession of faith. David faced his fears with fullness of faith. Take a look there at Psalm 27 and notice how well he knows God. This is a powerful profession. He has these images. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is the stronghold of my life. Think about the power of light. Think about the speed of light. 186,000, what is it? Miles per hour, it's coming at you fast. And in the same way, faster than a Nolan Ryan fastball or an, uh, an, an Alvarez home run, faster than a, a speeding bullet, um, is God's presence coming toward us. And David has come to know who God is. The more he trusts God, the better he comes to know God. Somebody said all of our fear, and by all I mean all of our fear, is caused 
by calculating without God. And David didn't. He didn't calculate without God. Somebody said fear knocked on the door. Faith answered. There was nobody there. There was nobody there. One of my favorite passages, Psalm 53, verse 5. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. That's just a promise from God that we don't have to live our lives in fear. It's a powerful profession of faith, and it is also a personal profession of faith. It wasn't lost on me that no less than five times in verse 1, he uses the personal pronoun, the, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. I will not fear. I will not fear. He uses it. Why? Because he has made the power of God the reference point for his life. And he is convinced that God's presence really is enough for him. And sooner or later in our lives, we will have to depend not on our parents' faith or our grandparents' faith, but on our own faith. And praise God, David has made this faith his own. And he stands in the strength of that faith, convinced that God is there for him and that God will never leave him nor forsake him. One of my friends who teaches at Houston Christian University, Felici uh, Sorgway, a tremendous pastor, uh, professor from Africa. We were newlyweds together uh, living in the same apartment complex uh, that summer of 1984. And he has recently written a book about God's promise to us that he will be with us and how that is the antidote to all of our fears. I don't know what fear consumes you today, but I am convinced that God's presence really is enough to overcome that fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Uh, a second memory I have of Psalm 27. Some of you were with us. We were over in Spain, I think, in some cathedral. And I remember Robin Ravy, who did not need amplification, singing, the Lord is my light and my salvation. It was personal for him. It was personal for David. Years ago, when they were putting together one of our, our hymn books, one of the many versions of the Baptist hymnal, I was so glad, by the way, that last song we sang, I didn't know that was in our hymnal, but I was so glad that song's in our hymnal. But they were having a discussion about which songs, you know, because not every song can get in. Frankly, not every song should get in, but they were debating over which song should, and somebody was eliminating a song, and they said, because it keeps talking about I and my, but when we're in worship, we should be singing we and our. It shouldn't be personal, and somebody just trying to win the case said, any song that's about me and my is too limited in its scope to make it into our hymn book. Russell Dilday, our first pastor, happened to be on the committee. Steve Wells told this story recently that Russell said, I know what you mean. Like that, that, that song in the book of Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. The song made it into the hymn book. <laughs> and it should have. 
It's, listen, it's Romans 8.28. Since God is for us, who can be against us? It's John Knox saying, one plus God is always a majority. For heaven's sake, it's veggie tales when my sons were growing up in our living room singing in their veggie tale voices. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. And this is what I love. And he's watching out for you and me. Powerful, personal profession of faith. And then I want you to see that the second thing as we pick up, based on that profession, the security of the faith. Listen to the confidence as he prays and says, one thing I ask of the Lord. And I ask you again, if you could ask God for one thing today, what would it be? And listen to David say, I just want to live in the Lord's house. And you say, uh, forever and ever, like Psalm 23. That's not what he says. He says, all the days of my life. Because David knows what we must know. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to live in confident communion with God through Christ. God is already here. And the point is not, well, someday when we get to heaven, we'll be with God. The point is, God is always with us. That's the promise. It's the most, it's the most common uh, promise in all of Scripture. I will be with you. Have I not commanded you, says the Lord to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And know this, if our God is not big enough to overcome our fears, we got the wrong one. He's just too small. God wants us to live with the fearless faith. So see this second point as we think about Corey Timboom saying, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Here's the truth, the prayer. David not only faced his fears with fullness of faith, but finally he focused on God with this fearless faith. And there is this deep communion with God. He lives his life practicing God's presence, knowing that God is near. That sustains him. That's his answer when Goliath says, aren't you afraid of me? And he says, no, because my God is so much bigger than you are. They say of John Knox and Oliver Cromwell both that they feared God so much they never feared any person. And we need not live our lives in fear. I think about Ray Stedman's story of the time. He was at a Billy Graham crusade meeting and uh, he spoke to this young man at the invitation about what new life. And he said, this means now that you're a Christian, you, you will never fear death again. And the young man turned to Ray Stedman and said, I think what a lot of us fear, a lot of us feel. He said, I've never been afraid of death. But I am afraid that I will waste my life. This is where communion with God comes in. David says, I'm not wasting my life now. I'm living in communion. And from communion to contemplation, what does he want to do when he lives in the Lord's house? It's like he just wants to camp out in the temple and stay there all the time. And why does he want to do that? Because he wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I think this is a lost element for us. It was Solzhenitsyn. Uh, who said beauty will save the world. And some people have criticized his philosophical perspective. But what he said was, he was quoting Dostoevsky, and of course Dostoevsky was talking about 
It's a prophecy that Jesus, Jesus is beauty, and Jesus will save the world. When we worship, we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I think we heard it in the music today as we sang. I think we see it uh, in these beautiful windows that tell the story of the gospel. In case you're new here, the Old Testament window, the cross, the Jesus window, and the Great Commission window. These windows tell the story of our faith. John Owen said, unless we see beauty and delight in worship, we will not do it willingly. So together, we single-mindedly with David seek God's presence, and he fills us with confidence. So listen to David say as he speaks, um, I have this confidence that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the day of trouble, uh, he will keep me safe. He, it, the, the word confidence, confide with faith, that's what it means in Latin, really speaks of trust. We, we keep something in confidence. That means somebody trusts us. Well, God has entrusted to us this powerful thought that we can trust him. We can put all of our confidence in him. And dare I say today, this will affect the way that we live. So I'm curious. I know George Ellis. I'm just going to call him St. George this morning. He, he outlived almost all of his friends. He was part of that sunshine class. Anybody remember the sunshine class? It's kind of merged with another class and. George Ellis lost his wife, Ortha, 12 and a half years ago, 97, almost 98 years old, talking with his family this week. I was just reminded that his dad, during World War II, got him a deferment so he wouldn't have to go. And without telling his dad or his girlfriend, who was about to become his fiance and then his wife, Ortha, he went and signed up and spent the rest of World War II in the Philippines he had accepted Christ before he went. He came back and led Ortha to faith in Christ. This is part of the greatest generation. We're losing them fast, but I'll tell you this. He didn't stop there. So in 2001, on, say, September the 11th, when the Twin Towers came down, here's George Ellis. I don't know how old George was at that point when we could do the math, but his family told me he loaded his trunk with water and food and drove from Texas to New York so that he could help the people affected by 9-11. I don't know if you remember those days. I remember our, our old worship center was full of people that night when we prayed in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God, and Lester's prayer, all of that are part of my memories of that night. But what we didn't know was what was gonna happen next. But for George Ellis, that didn't matter. Because of his confidence in Christ, his trust in God. He's not operating out of fear, but out of fearless faith, he loads up his trunk and heads not away from the frightening giants, but right into the teeth of the storm. We sang it this morning. When the oceans roll and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. And we come to this promise, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Leslie Newbigin said, the terminal illness of the West today is our loss of hope. Listen to Paul say, no, in all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Here's my third memory of Psalm 27. When I think of it, I think of Lloyd Brown, who was a member of my first congregation. She was one of those people who inexplicably voted for a teenager to be her pastor. Her previous pastor had been a 42-year-old PhD, but she voted for a 19-year-old who had taken two, all of two religion classes to be her pastor. And she had this gift of giving. Ah, oh, my friend had a little Chevette, and uh, the Chevette didn't have um, a cassette player in it, which was, I don't know if you know what a cassette player is, but it, <laughs> it was a way that we listened to music back then. And so she bought this for him to put in, to install in his Chevette, and he wouldn't take it. And she got mad at him and said, you need to learn how to receive. You know all about how to give, but you don't know how to receive. Later, you can see him. If you ever want to come up to my office, the kindergartners do in vacation Bible school. Um, I have a set of Alfred's Greek Testament that she bought for me um, there on my shelf. And I remember she had this gift of giving. And then one day she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And uh, she was going in for surgery. And I went to visit her in the hospital with my Psalm 23 in my Bible open. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Lloyd knew the Bible. She said, keep turning. I want you to get to Psalm 27. And the end of Psalm 27, which she had made her psalm, says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And then she closed her eyes here and she opened them in heaven. Because here's, here's the thing about death. As somebody has said, death, if you think about it, death ultimately it doesn't extinguish the light. It just puts out the lamp because the dawn has come. My brother and I had a, a theory when we were little kids when we thought that coat racks were monsters and all of that. He used to sing in this choir right up there in the tenor section long before I was ever your pastor. We used to say, if you have your music with you, the monsters can't get you. And David had his music with him, Psalm 27. And his music, if we'll receive it, is our music with a profession of faith, with a prayer that focuses on God's ability to provide. We don't have to be afraid. Or as Wentley Phipps sang when he was here years ago, no need to fear. Don't fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, whatever we face this week. We really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what the future holds. But we believe that you hold our future in the palm of your hand because you hold each of us. And we believe that your grip won't slip, that you're never gonna let us go, that whatever we face this week, you got this, because you've always had us.
and you always will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.